again. Welcome back. This is the Room for Error podcast. This is weird. It's been so long. Crack that whip. You know, when was the last time we recorded? Uh, Pre-pandemic? Yeah, it was. It, no, nah, it was like September. We did a couple recordings last year, but it was like September 20th, I think. Was, 28th was our last recording. How have you been? Um, present. <laughs> present. Present. That's as good as it gets for old Danny boy, right? Yep. Physically. There's been a, there's been a lot. Mentally, I've been in and out. Yeah, uh, as has everyone else. It, there's been a lot of changes since we've last sat down to to hash these things out. Uh, hey, you got a dog? I do have a dog, little Ernie. Ernest. Ernie, Ernesto. Wasn't wasn't that like a series of movies? Like Ernest goes to camp, and like Ernest, I'm pretty sure like those in are the like 90s. the greatest movies of all yeah. time. Like those shaped my childhood. Ernest scared stupid. That, it made, that me, it made me check for monsters underneath my bed every time I went to bed. Now that was goosebumps for me. Our little R.L. Stein. I, I just read the books. Didn't didn't read much. Well, yeah, that. that was what I was. I, I you know in a in a Dutch home in Northwest Iowa, where we were on a, t- that kind of television was not allowed in our home. Yeah, that was a blasphemous. It was if it didn't come from the Bible, like the only movie that you were allowed to watch in your household was probably Simon Birch. Actually, we did watch my that dog, movie like my dog times. Skip. Yeah, I think <laughs> watched both of those multiple times. Yeah, remember the Titans was almost too. Remember the Titans? Yeah, there was some well, too some many ra- racial tension. There was some, there was some risque stuff. I mean, and honestly, too many non-white people, you know. That does so. that does scare um, the folks of Northeast <laughs> Iowa or Northwest uh, Iowa. Excuse you me. You know that, and uh, oh, I'm trying to think. Uh, what what was the cartoon like with Moses in there? Prince of Egypt. Watched that one a lot. Oh yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So I just went back and looked. Our our last recording uh, that that we put up on Spotify or wherever you consume your podcasts was September 28th of 2020. So we didn't. We made it through like. Hey, we're almost had a one-year anniversary. And that's crazy. I know it. That's really that's really fun though. But hey, uh, everybody, thank. Oh, and and there we go. There's the first cold beverage of the 2021 football season. We're glad to have everybody back. Um, first and foremost, want to thank everybody for uh, putting pressure on us to jump back in and record. Nothing like a bunch of good old peer pressure. I know it, and it's not like we've got this huge. Dude, a couple thirty, but, almost thirty-year-old men. Yeah, exactly. There, you know, there's probably fifteen or sixteen of you out there that that love to listen, and and we just appreciate it. We're just two, two ding dongs spitting fire at each other, and I'll speak for yourself, Cole. Yeah, well, fire like more just because I we have more at the fireball, point, and yeah, 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 correct. So we're uh, we're glad to be jumping back in here. We're gonna cover a lot of topics, and uh, like I said there's been some things that have changed i've had a career change um you know i had a career change last year uh we both have kiddos now uh little ruby is oh shoot she's what year and a half now just just about 15 15 months yeah something like that I, mean, sammy, I was never much of a mathematician yeah sammy's about 18 months old and we're just two busy dudes and we're gonna try to come come as prepared as we can um it'll be a struggle from time to time but We've got some fun stuff to talk about. I don't know. Dan, how do you want to kick things off here, dude? We Probably the biggest topic that, that maybe we won't jump into right away is going to be the realignment oh, thing. God. But oh, here we go. I'm Let's so, depress I, everybody off the get-go. I don't, I'm not depressed about it. I, I What's think, there not to be depressed about? Like, I know that things are going to change. College football is getting ripped from the shreds. Like, I just talked to somebody. I was, okay, we said we're not getting into it. Fuck it, I'm getting into it. Like, <laughs> college football, I, I texted a good friend about this when this Texas – in Oklahoma announcement has been made. And, you know, as an Iowa state fan or, you know, call them, call our, our, the eight, some people are calling them the hateful eight or the irate eight, you know, over this 
experience here, and, and there's a hell of a lot to be played out. But I look at this standpoint. I, I made the the talk to a buddy. College football, at its peak, had the 11 team Big Ten. It had the 12 team Big 12, with the North and South division. Um, it had the Big East. It had the ACC. And it had the 12 team SEC, and the Pac-10, which even you know then was pretty relevant. You know. Um, you had Chip Kelly, Oregon teams, and you had USC teams that were a ton. Like that to me, and maybe that's just because that's the college football I grew up with, but we still had regional rival- rivalries intact. You know, we had all this stuff. And, yeah, Iowa State, just as someone who's an Iowa State alum and fan, you know, has been on a rocket ship to the moon, you know, in the 10-team iteration of the Big Ten in the last five, six years. Excuse me. But at the same time, it's you can't help back and look at those days with some nostalgia about you know just the the regionalness and college football is a regional sport like you know all these people we talk about you know the SEC wants to make this mini you know basically NFL light version you know with all these southern all these power teams and that's been talked around and then you know all this other stuff and to me like no one's gonna watch that college football is such a regional game and yeah like I sat down to watch. Illinois, Nebraska's terrible football experience yesterday, but it's also a regional game. It's in a league I care about, you know, and it's something like that. Like, I didn't give a shit about watching UCLA or Hawaii. And honestly, if UCLA was part of this Super League and they were going to play Mississippi State yesterday, I wouldn't probably watch that either. No. Unless there was some gambling aspect. So, like, to me, like, that's what's great about college football. You have these alums. You have all this stuff coming together. And, you know, the TV networks have decided to, you know, put – values on haves and have nots in this and you know that's not what college football is to me like that's not what the essence and the passion you know I've, I've never I've I'm an NFL fan you know like you said I'm Rob Lowe with just the, the NFL hat on but I don't I I've never both had, teams have fun. I, I've never had a favorite NFL team I grew up you know around a lot of Vikings fans and I think that made me not a Vikings fan um you know in Iowa we've got Chiefs fans we've got Bears fans We've got there's a cat just went flying, Dude, you know. I was pretty we've sure we've got a weird number of, of Bronco fans, but like I've never been last year an NFL team, and it's because I didn't really have a tie, you know, yeah. to it. Like you have, you know, even you know we get we tease Iowa fans about not being tied to Iowa, but at least you know they have a tie in the state. That's what they grew up watching. They grew up there going there for their grandpa or you know dad or whatever it was, yeah. and we have that in college football, and that's something that's unique to the sport. So why are we trying to alienate entire parts of the country? You know, so rant, you know, soapbox, there you go. Yeah, but I think I think you make a lot of really good points, though, too, with it being a regional game. Yeah. Because, you know, I'll watch the SEC, but it's going to have to be like a big primetime game. game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I, I didn't watch. I'm not t- watch tuning the, in to watch Ole Miss, Tennessee, no. you know. No, and, and that's why I love watching the Big Ten and the Big 12, because it's got it's got a place for me. It's got something that I have connection to. Um, like you said, Illinois – I was thinking about it yesterday. You know, it's college football's back. Like big crowds are back, and and despite the for pandemic, now. yeah, for now, right? Well, and despite all of that, unless I, unless I, you I were just, at the UCLA game, not exactly a big. Crowd. I just started thinking about it. Like, if we would have wanted to drive to that game yesterday in Champaign, we could have done it. You know, uh, there's there's going to be a, a lot of like you said, a lot of 
turmoil moving forward. But at the same time, like if the SEC wants to try to jump in and compete with the NFL, like good luck. We've seen how that's worked for other people. Now, granted, the SEC is a different entity in itself. Like they've got billions and billions of dollars, and and yeah, that's but as, and as universities though, do they? Like they have billions and billions of they have lots of TV money, but it's not that. That, that is such a small scale when we look at universities. The SEC is not made up of these prestigious research Carnegie One universities. The SEC, if it weren't for football, they'd be a bunch of HB, you know, CUs. Yeah, well, if, let me complete my thought. Like, what? A, like my bigger thing, um, you know, when we were talking about it, you know, I'm, I'm not worried about it at all. Like, I'm not a big ball of nerves. Like, yeah, it's going to change the landscape of college football, but I'm an Iowa State fan before I'm a college football fan. I agree. And so, for me, no matter what happens with conference re- realignment, whether we go play in the American, we stay in the Big 12, a form of restructured Big 12, whatever that looks like, if we go to the Big 10, if we go to the Pac-12, I, I don't care. I'm, I'm going to root for the Cyclones. I don't care if Dan Harmson is the head coach of the football team or the basketball team or the wrestling squad. I don't give a shit. I'm going to watch him. I'm going to cheer for him. Well, I think there's something to be said about that. You know, there Iowa State, you know, we, we put 50,000 fans in the stadium when, when we got housed by Baylor 71 to 7 under Paul Rhodes. And that's, and that's, and that's what, at 90% capacity. And that's, and that's a, the crazy thing, you know, you look at it is not just from an Iowa State perspective, but, but as a country, you, I don't think there were a bunch of people showing up to like 0 and 16. Dolphin and Lion teams once upon a time. No. You know, empathy had set in. And empathy does happen for large pace. You know, not for the, I think, the people that are passionate about their university and, you know, things like that. But, you know, there there is, you know, the casual fan, yeah, that may may have some impact or, or whatnot. But there's still the experience, you know, the tailgating, you know, this, that. It, it's a family thing for a lot of people as well. Yeah, 100%. You know, it's, I don't, you know, outside of work, I don't have a lot of hobbies besides, you know, catching a few Iowa State football games or things like that. And, you know, will that change if we go to another conference? No. You know, will that change if, if the Big 12 becomes kind of a step down from what it has been? No, but I think the casual fan will be less interested because they won't yeah. think, you know, it's, you know, this team, whatever, whoever wins this league is going to have, a sh- you know, a shot at a national championship, which may or may not. Um, I mean, we're going to talk about the playoff restructuring in here, and, and I think, um, you know, what could happen because of that down in a few minutes here. But for me, you know, I think the casual fan will be affected more than me or you. I mean, I think if, yeah, me and you, are, we're going to get more psyched up to watch Texas come to play um, than we would Cincinnati or Houston. But at the same time, like, new rivalries and new things are, are born all the time and things yeah. like that. And, you know, it, it would be the same if we were in the Big Ten and like, oh, God, we get to play Maryland this week. Yay. You know. <laughs> Rutgers is coming to town. Rutgers, yeah. You know, and honestly, we've watered down a lot of leagues like that anyway. 100%. You know, and for, for a lot of these, Stuart Mandel and a lot of these people have been kind of not stomping on the grave of the, the angry eight. You know, but at the same time, like they're saying, well, these teams don't offer value. Well, I wouldn't say that Oklahoma State has been in and out of the national conversation for the last decade. TCU has. Baylor just won a basketball national championship under Art Browse. We saw where they were, they were. I mean, let's go back a handful of years. What started a lot of this mess is TCU and Baylor both probably had a chance to be in the playoff one year. You know, and we we've seen it, Kansas Kansas won an Orange Bowl. K State had a ten year period. You know, under the last era, Bill Snyder, were I mean, they were pretty close to playing for a national championship a couple times. Yeah, yeah. You know, to, for to say these schools don't have value in the scheme of things, I mean, it's 
it's such a microcosm of, you know, where we are now. Cause if you would have done that 10 years ago, it would look completely different. If Iowa state keep retains Matt Campbell and, you know, stays on the trend they're at now, you may say, Oh, well this, you know, so it's, it's hard for me to say, but I think this all kind of sucks. And I hate to sound like someone who's too conservative and set in their ways and, you know, but college football and college sports in general, I, th- I think are so driven by emotion and tradition. And that's, you know what? That's okay. That there's nothing to be, ashamed about that right I agree and that's and that's probably where the the bigger issue lies is that they're trying to turn these collegiate athletes into professional athletes and that's fine like I think there's something to be said about the name image likeness and thing and we don't really need to get into that but like you said like there's there's so much more to college athletics that's built off of pageantry and tradition and marching bands and uh, you know all that sort of stuff and it's going to go away now, and it's just going to be a different minor league system for the NFL. And if that it, happens, it, yeah, I mean, and you're that's pull out your your magic eight ball, and I think that seemed like the goal for a hot minute. Is you know we saw all these okay, SEC's contacting Clemson and Florida State. The SEC's contacting Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State, and the SEC's going to contact USC and UCLA, you know, and Oregon, and they're going to pull all these brands together. Well, something like that could still happen. Yeah. You know, we could see some retraction because, you know, I've had long, long, long had this thought of we saw this in the happen in the NFL decades ago where basically the NFL kind of had the conference model we're on now where each team bid out for their TV rights together. And the Cowboys were the one that wouldn't come and do it together. Well, now look at how vastly wealthy, wealthy, wealthy all these NFL teams are because they bid on their rights together. And if you guess what, if you want the Cowboys, you also have to pay for the Jaguars, and that's the way it is. Well, if you put all 64, 65, I guess, counting Notre Dame or 66, counting BYU, power five entities together and make everyone pay through the nose, yeah, you know, someone may not have that max revenue, but in the long run, it's going to be better for everybody. And that sounds like... At the libertarian in me, like that that statement makes me want to puke a little bit. Um, (laughs) But at the same time, I think these schools got to realize that in the long run, everyone's going to make more money from a model like that instead of bidding out on their own. You know, yeah, maybe this little mini Super League happens, but I think there's enough sense out there. And, you know, we also got to look. This cat keeps grabbing my hand. Are you seeing this? Yeah, he's being a shithead. Um, You know, we also got to look from this standpoint of, you know, there's so much tradition. And, you know, we talk about, I talked about without sports, some of these universities and SEC seem like HBCUs. Right. Um, And that's maybe a little bit far to say, and that's not being derogatory towards HBCUs. But at the same time, look at things like the Big Ten Academic Alliance. I mean, the Big Ten outside of Nebraska is a bunch of, you know, AAU accredited, you know, Carnegie One research institutions. And the money that comes from research, you know, driven things like this and grant money that all basically all the data and information shared amongst the Big Ten makes TV money from football look like a drop of water. So just put it in this way, Iowa State, you know, you know, people talk about being a possible Big Ten target down the road because it is an AAU university. Um, And Iowa State for not having a med school pulls in a lot of research dollars. I mean, I think it was just around 600 million last year for not having mostly schools that have really large research budgets have med schools. But a lot of Iowa State's comes from, you know, ag science, but actually like energy and like biorenewables, things like that. Things that the Ames Lab does has really, you know, advanced that in the last few years. So I didn't mean to hijack the whole conversation. I mean, you did, but it'll be fine. We'll get over it. Um, Yeah, I think 
moving forward, we'll have more and more clarity, but, um, you know, this isn't going to be an overnight thing. We're not probably going to have any more clarification on it for what's going to happen moving forward, probably till the end of the football year in the first place. So it's probably best to just not focus on it. And, and we may not have it till 24, 25. Yeah, exactly. The Big so, Ten has a TV contract that's going to end soon. The Pac-12 has a TV contract that's going to end soon. We saw three college commissioners sit on a stage, and they talked about this alliance this last week. And then the next day, USC and UCLA announced games are playing with LSU. So please tell me what this alliance really means. There's no, there's no monetary we value aside. It was a handshake, and they looked each other in the eye, right? You know, it, it, Kevin it, it Warren. I think Kevin shit. Warren had the comment of like uh, his lawyer, or he had a law school professor once tell him that uh, that if 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 you have to write something down on a piece of paper that it doesn't mean anything it was like well when have you ever heard a lawyer say that in history aka we're gonna see a lot of changes i still think and maybe you know i think what it looks like and what we're boiling down to now is i had that hateful eight whatever you want to call them are look are probably going to looking at a big settlement from espn and ou in texas right and at this point it looks like expansion with byu or the best of the group of five teams is, is probably likelihood for the rest of this TV contract, just because you as a league have so much inventory, you have to fill out to your TV partners. Um, you have X amount of games per week. And with only eight teams, you can't do that. So I think it'll be BYU obviously for the rest of this TV contract. And then, you know, whether it's BYU and Cincinnati, you're adding two or whether it's BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF, and you're adding four, um, just for the rest of this TV contract is a possibility. And, yeah, that's a watered-down league. You don't have an Oklahoma or Texas national title contender, which Texas isn't going to be anyway. First of all, is, no, is anyone going to give a shit about Texas when they're 6-6 six and six or 5-7 and seven in the SEC every year? Well, probably people within the walls of Austin, but that's about it. You know, that's one of the most bonkers things I can think about is, you know, they make this move, and, yeah, money's all great, but, you know— we're, we're going to talk about possibly if this comes to fruition. And if I think it does, it will only be for two or three years till the end of this TV contract. Then I could easily see, you know, the teams of these alliance breaking up these schools. But, but let's put this on paper. Houston, Cincinnati, BYU, UCF. These, these are all teams that have been consistently rated in the top 25 last four years, correct? Yeah. You have Oklahoma State, who's probably about the same place. They're typically a top 15 team, top 20 team. You have K-State, who has had those moments. Fed TCU has had those moments. Baylor's had those moments. Iowa State is in those moments right now. So while there's not a, a title contender in that league, I mean, that league might be the best from top to bottom in just terms of competitive, you know, balance, I think we can easily say. And, yeah, when you don't have, you know, the two lanes of the world to feast on and temples of the world to feast on, it could be a bunch of 8-4, and 7-5 and five teams. Um, but at the same time, like, that's a competitive league. Um, I, I still think – this isn't going to come to a head until 24-25 when all these TV contracts come up. Yeah, definitely uh, be a slow burn type scenario. But uh, Well, we let Dan rant for about 15 minutes there, so we'll let him be quiet for a little bit. Uh, well, what where do you want to dive into first? I mean, you know, with it being week zero last week and watching um, Nebraska be the dumpster fire that they are, I'm, I think we can probably jump into some predictions on some of these leagues and, and talk through what we think – will happen probably in just some of our local circles here, like yeah. Big 12, Big 10, and then we can jump into some NFL Some more stuff. national type yeah, stuff. National and then NFL stuff, too. I know we texted a little bit, and you said that there just wasn't anything that you thought you'd be excited about for the NFL, and I just started rattling off like 13 different things. 
and maybe it's just because I'm not that big of as involved invested in the NFL as you are either. And I, I don't. I, and granted, the only reason I like the NFL as much is because of fantasy football. You know, if I, if I didn't have fantasy football to go to, like I'd I'd probably watch a handful of Chiefs games, handful of Dolphins games, handful of Cowboys games, just to root against the Cowboys. But you know, that's about it. So, well, I know that you said you had some some fun predictions, some uh, dark horses, maybe. Well, can if, we if, talk about the dumpster fire that was Nebraska? Oh my gosh! That is, first is Scott half, Frost going to keep his it, job? Until, like he's got to be gone until like Adrian Martinez long touchdown run. I, I think I texted you and, and a couple other friends. Like that was Paul Rhodes era, and end of Paul Rhodes era, just lack of discipline. No, everything, yeah. timely penalties, just that level of bad football. I've never like I texted. I don't think Illinois is good. I don't. Th- I don't think Illinois is going to make a bowl game. No, but at the same time, like that was that was tough to watch. That reminded me of like Iowa State fumbling the ball three times to lose to. K State that one year they got Rhodes fired. Yeah, uh, I watched that that punt returner field that field that ball on the one yard line and try to then throw it forward after he realized where he was. Like, how how do you go through a summer worth of activity, practices, two days training, all that stuff, to then field a ball on the one yard line and and actually, what he was doing was was running backwards to go catch this ball. The ball was not going to stay out of the end zone. No. And he caught it. I, I just, I'd never seen anything like it. Like, and that is just such poor coaching, such poor discipline. Like it, it, a kid, you can make a mistake and, 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 and it is what it is. But in that scenario, that's something that you're, that you should never have happen. Right. Well, it's just, it's like you said, it's poor discipline. It's poor coaching. It's, you no know, we've all seen laps laps in judgment no matter how well your team is coached but that was just a moment of panic you know like remind me what was that bowl game iowa played against tennessee was at the music city bowl there a handful of years ago i can't remember and i think the returner did the same thing he ran out of bounds and then pitched the ball back in back in bounds for some reason so bad it just where did that come from but like that was pathetic on so many levels and i think bert will get a handle on where things are at illinois and i'm not saying illinois is going to you know be at power in the west but they're going they're going to be you know, they could be at Iowa's level more years than not. They're going to have – they're in as fertile recruiting ground as there is in that league. You know, Burt is an established coach who's done well in that league. Um, you know, and, and I think he's going to be a pain in that, in the you-know-what for some of these guys. Um, do, do you want to jump in? We'll, we'll go into some of these topics. Big Ten or Big 12 first, or just go through. Well, let's start. Let's let's stick in the Big Ten. I mean, we're here right now. Let's talk about it. I've got some, I've got some fun stif- stuff that you're probably going to laugh at me or, okay. or yell at me for. I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, going back to old school, writing things down. So, Big Ten. <laughs> I was I was looking at schedules, like really just to start looking at the Big Ten West because that's the flavor right now. Watching Illinois and Nebraska uh, play each other. Whose sick and, joke was it to put that game on our first Power Five game of the year? Also, as well. Well, I don't know. Honestly, I, I I wanted to gamble against Nebraska so bad, but I talked myself out of it. I just thought like, there's no way in hell that Scott, a Scott Frost team is not going to come out and win that game by at least a touchdown. Like Illinois is in a first year head coaching situation with Brett Bielema. Like he's going to have to rebuild. They'll, they might be competitive, but Nebraska's going to win that game by two scores. Shame on me, first of all. Uh, lost money on that, which whatever. But I was looking at Nebraska's schedule. Uh, Dan, I'm not going to lie. 
I've got them winning one game before their October 9th matchup with Michigan. I have them one in six. They're gonna win. They're gonna play Fordham next week, and that's the game they win. If that's the case, here's the deal: you've got Trev Alberts, who is in that same era. Trev Al- Alberts, if people didn't know, took over as the AD from UNO um, after supposedly they made a play at Jamie Pollard, and he wasn't going anywhere. So anyway, Trev takes over. I think there's some pressure on him about this Frost situation because so many guys want Frost to work out and they want Frost to be the guy, and there's still some like eternal hope belief over there. But I think people are starting to see it for what it is at this point. And it's just lack of discipline, mistakes, and everything else. But at the same time, if they start one and six, there there's going to be no excuse. I mean, he'll be looking for – I mean, we'll be talking about 13 wins in four years. That I mean, that's Rhodes – end of Rhodes era bad. He's 12 and 20 right now. And somehow they keep recruiting at in a top 25 level. I mean, this is insane. Which is how, yeah. on, earth, like how on earth do you put that product on the field yesterday? Right. How? Right. How? Right. Uh, okay, so that's my first prediction here in Big Ten. I've got four total. How many do you have? Do you have oh, anything I've, written down? I've got a handful. I've got a handful written Let, down. Throw so, one at me. Let's talk So, more. Frost, Frost is the, your first coach gone? Honestly, just, just from the very, very limited time I spent diving into it. I don't know if they fire him, but, I mean, he's going to have – his seat is going to be red hot. My only thing about this is I, – I did some reading, you know, about this. If Scott Frost is fired before January 1st – he has a twenty-two million dollar buyout if he's fired before January first. <laughs> that's so much money. Twenty-two million. I mean, and that's on top of you know hiring whatever it will take eight nine million to bring a new staff on board, probably ten. You know, that's insane. That's a lot for any university, much less one with Big Ten money. <laughs> so that will definitely make an impact. So Frost is on that list for me. I've got a couple other coaches, I think, in the Big Ten. You know, Harbaugh You know, Harbaugh has been successful. I don't think we consider and say he hasn't. Last year was a strange year. You know, we talk about COVID year, this, that, that. And Iowa State had a lot of success because they were disciplined, and we hope there's not a lot of drop-off. But at the same time, you know, Michigan had a bad year. But Harbaugh has – we Harbaugh was like – he's been like Bo Pelini-esque at Michigan. We've had a lot of nine, a couple ten wins – 10 win seasons sprinkled in there. He's been nothing if not consistent. But to Michigan, he hasn't done the one thing that matters to Michigan, and that's beat Ohio State. Correct. And it doesn't appear like that's going to happen. Now, J.J. McCarthy's coming in, supposed to be a stud. Um, By the way, J.J. McCarthy's first offer in high school, uh, you know who that came from? Matt Campbell in Iowa State. Fun fact. Anyway, (laughs) is this Harbaugh's last year? I mean, we saw a massive – you know, he came into a contract year that, you know – Basically, gave him a crazy incentive-laden contract. You know, contract that was based on X amount of years, and if they fire him at any point, they're basically going to owe him nothing. And to me, that says he's got one foot out the door. Possibly, it's it's just not working for any camp right now. Harbaugh's on that list. Another one that is really interesting for me is Brom at Purdue, and not just because it's spelled a lot like Steve Prohm, um, who needed to be fired, but <laughs> this is a guy who was on every coaching list in the country two years ago. When he took took Purdue to bowl games and things like that, and now he's looking at you know his seat's hot if you know it's warm if not possibly hot like there's a lot of interesting stuff because I mean, remember Louisville wanted him bad there were a lot of people that would and you know that's an interesting place for and me he stayed, so and he stayed in at and Purdue. he stayed at Purdue which you know what people have said a lot, a lot of things about Matt Campbell staying at Iowa State probably too right so yeah Th- those are kind of my coaches on the hot seat um, I've got a sleeper in the Big Ten I want to talk about. 
and I think I've got a team in the Big Ten who a lot of people are propping up. We heard Kirk Herbstreet really sing their praises the other day, and, and this is not just me being being a homer, um, but I, I actually do believe this. It's, it does not take a lot of research to figure this out. First of all, my team that I think is sleeping in the Big Ten is being slept on is Minnesota. Okay. I didn't have them down. but I Not heard. a great season last year, but a weird year. We talked Big Ten got a late start, COVID, this, games canceled. But go back two years, that was a team that won 11 games. Um, I can't remember if they made it to a New Year's Six game or not, but they were a very good football team. You know, they've got Tanner Morgan back. You know, one thing that was kind of under the radar is Muhammad Ibrahim, the running back, you know, led the nation in rushing, I think, the last six weeks of the year. I think Minnesota, for me, will push for first or second in the Big Ten West. I love that. That's, um, that's fun. And, and I – I did that a few years ago, but, like, there's a lot coming back. I, I really believe that a team that's going to disappoint. And it's it's strange for me because, you know, we've heard a lot of fans jump on. Iowa won six straight games last year. But they won six straight pretty ugly games, you know, based on you ran the ball, you played good defense, your quarterback, I guess, didn't do enough to lose you the game, but he sure didn't help you win the game. Iowa comes back. Their back seven might be the best back seven of the Ferentz era. Okay, I, I don't think we can take that away from them. You know, their DBs and linebackers are very, very solid. Their special teams are very good. Their quarterback is below average. I, I mean, if we see the same level of he came back last year, and everybody taught, thought Alex Padilla and Deuce Hogan were going to push him in practice, and they said all Petrus, they basically they weren't good enough to move Petrus off the starting job, which says more about your QB room at Iowa. I would be scared more than anything. Yeah. Because Petrus, from what I've sound, has not looked good. They said he has maybe more command of the playbook, but thrown into the fire and thrown into a brutal early season schedule, starting off at Indiana or Indiana at home, and Indiana then home, go to yeah. Ames. Um, that's a brutal start to the schedule. And, and the reason, you know, I, I think I'm down on Iowa has nothing to do with Spencer Petrus. I mean, he is what he is. Even if you get Nate Stanley at his worst production from him, it is what it is. Tyler Goodson's a good back. You've got a few You've got a few playmakers. Laporta's solid. Um, Tracy and Regini are solid. I don't know. I mean, we saw a couple of their receivers make the NFL that I think were more of their high-end type of guys. Iowa has to replace a lot on the offensive-defensive line. Tyler Linderbaum is a stud, but a center doesn't block your defensive end. Yeah, center's going to make a lot of calls you know, up front. He's going to do a lot of things. But we're basically going to be breaking in uh, a new tackle spot and both new guard spots. Kyler Scott, our shot, and a, and a couple other, from what I've heard, is there's a lot more injury up front on Iowa's offensive line that's even being reported on. I think Dr. Min and Dr. Min and John Miller both said that in their podcast last week. Um, so me, I, I don't know where it's going to end up. And then defensive line, we haven't even gone there yet. They have one returning starter who wasn't even a full-time starter last year, Zach Van Valkenburg, and who honestly like is a very – I compare him to Zach Peterson, right? Zach's a mm-hmm. great player. Um, but he's not a game changer. You know, he's not Will McDonald or Jaquan Bailey or, you know, what's his name that, you know, Epi, or AJ Epines or anybody like that. So yeah. Iowa for me, and maybe it means they're still eight and four, but I do, I do not even, the only thing that sets up for them is after the first couple of weeks, they have the easiest schedule since they've had since the 2015, you know, undefeated regular season season. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I, I, I see a handful of losses on there, especially, if you start off 0-2, you could see the wheels come out, you know, very fairly. We saw them finish, uh, was it Drew Tate's sophomore year? They go 10-2, and win the cap one bowl. 
um, lose the entire defensive line, but bring back Greenway and Hodge. And I think that team went seven and five, maybe yeah. lost to one of the directional Michigan schools. So yeah, I don't mean to be that guy, but Iowa for me, because they're, they're too young up front on both sides of the ball. I, I could see that easy happening. I've got a, I've got a little bit of a different uh, big 10 West prediction. And I, I like that, that you're kind of going with a, a dark horse here and, and I'll do, Something similar, but I've got two Big Ten West predictions here. Um, I'm I'm gonna go really, really bold, really bold. I think uh, Wisconsin finishes their season. Hear me out, unde- yeah. undefeated. Undefeated. They have Penn State here in Week One coming up on the fourth, and that's at home, noon kickoff. Uh, and they, I think they're favored by four and a half. So even the Sharps like them by about a score. Okay. Uh, I, it, it'll depend. I think they're here's And this is just total prediction. I think they get some momentum by beating Penn State at home. They get Eastern Michigan the next week. They have a two-week layoff, and then they play Notre Dame on September 25th. And then both games at home, Notre Dame and Michigan in back-to-back weeks, both at home. That'll be, well, they're both at home, though. Yeah, and so I think if they get through those first four games, and let's be honest, what was it, two years ago, Wisconsin had Michigan down by like 50,000 points at right. one point. I think I think Wisconsin's got a very favorable schedule because then here's their next here's their next three games, at okay. Illinois, Army, at Purdue. Then they have hey, Iowa, Iowa get... at home, okay. go to Rutgers, oh, Northwestern man. at home, Nebraska at home, and on the road at Minnesota. I just think their schedule is so favorable. It sets up so nicely for them. And, I mean, they've proven in the past that they're just a steady Eddie team anyways. Like, they're not going to probably blow a ton of people out, if ever. Yeah. But they're not going to lose by a, a huge amount either. And so I just think there's too much in their favor for them to not be a contender in the Big West. Uh, at the very least, maybe losing one or two games along the way. But even then, if the one game they lose, two games they lose are going to be to Notre Dame and Michigan – it's uh, not going to affect them that much. It's not going to affect them in the Big Ten West. Yeah. So that's my other one. Um, I, I'm not as high on Minnesota, although I can see your point. But uh, I really, really like uh, – oh, shit, Tom Allen. I really like Tom Allen's team. In oh, Indiana. the Hoosiers? I really like Indiana this year, too. I think they'll go about 10-2 and two or so, 9-3. Penix, yeah, Penix is back. Now, I, I think it, this is probably about as fun as the top half of the Big Ten West is going to be in a while. Um, Indiana's, you know, I, in I, I don't think, Indiana's in the East, though. Oh yeah, excuse yeah. me. I'm sorry. That's my bad. Yeah, Indiana. So that Idiot. W- yeah, I mean, obviously the Ohio State's going to win the Big Ten East, but uh, a contender alongside of them, I think, is going to be Indiana. And poor Indiana just having to be in the same division as Ohio State when their best football teams probably ever have existed. So those are my two uh, two of my other ones. And honestly, I think I think I see Iowa having a pretty mediocre year. Just went through their schedule, and I don't want to be so bold as to say I only think I think I see them winning six games, but. You know they're going bowling, and that's that's not a question. But I think just with Spencer Petras not blowing the doors off, and Iowa teams go as their quarterbacks do a lot of the time, and uh, they go as their defense goes a lot of the time. And like you said, they're breaking in a lot of new offensive and defensive linemen. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to watch them progress through the year, and and you know like we've always touched on, Kirk never wins by a lot, but he never loses by a lot either. So they'll be in a lot of games. It'll just be a matter of how they close those games out. And I think we've seen it with Kirk Ferentz coach teams a lot is 
they don't play their best football until later in the season, a lot like Matt Campbell's teams do. So it, yeah, I think their start of the season is, is really brutal for that to happen. Yeah, and I mean, and you know, let's not let's not make any mistake about what Spencer Petrus is stepping into in you know in Ames. You know, we are homers for for the Cyclones, but at the same time, like when that environment is full and it's rowdy, it can get loud in that and, stadium. And I think and there's he a didn't lot play to in a loud stadium last year at all, ever. I th- and I think there's going to be a lot. To, that's basically going to be his first true road game. Yeah, exactly. Ever. Yeah. That's huge. And there's and there's a lot. I mean, yeah, we talk about Campbell's, Campbell's to beat Iowa every year. But, like, think back towards the end of last season, and, yeah, COVID derailed a lot of things. But I, I do think there's some points to be made on the recruiting trail, and if Iowa State is truly going to be, you know, in this playoff conversation, which I don't know if I believe, but they're going to be looking to make a statement. And not that they won't or can't. Um, Iowa's a disciplined football team who plays generally close games, and their defense will be good enough to stay close. Will their offense be? I don't know. Um, do you have some risers and fallers in the Big 12? Uh. Yeah, I've got. I, I'm really, honestly, more, I'm really bullish on a lot of stuff, uh, and and I, that's actually kind of ironic for me, I guess. I, I'm usually looking for people who are just going to have dumpster fire seasons, but I'm actually pretty bullish on a couple teams in the Big Twelve. And you know, I think saying something like "OU goes defeated, undefeated in regular season," I don't think is fair. I think that's more of a, a sentiment that everybody shares. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would love to see Iowa State go on the road and beat them. Um, I think they have a tough test with Kansas State. And what do we know about OU is they can never play K-State tough for whatever reason. Right. And they go, they go to Manhattan this year again. Um, that's one thing. And I think that, you know, Sarkeesian going to have those, those kids fired up early in the year to play that Red River rivalry. So it, it'll be interesting. But I think Spencer Rattler is going to progress huge this year. Um, but something that I really looked at, uh, again, going through the scheduling and and um, oh, West Virginia's head coach Neil Neil Brown, no, yes, yeah, Neil Brown. I think he's a fantastic coach. I I, I don't think he probably gets I enough agree. praise nationally. Uh, I got looking at West Virginia's schedule and the way their schedule sets up as, as well. I I got them going ten and two, man. I think they're gonna really? be. A, I think they're gonna be a tough team. I've I've honestly, you know, I could I, see eight and four, nine and three. I mean. Only losing two games. Like, yeah, I'm giving them. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt in a couple spots, right? Like I'm. I'm letting them have the ball bounce their way a couple scenarios. And in that scenario, that means Iowa State loses to them. Truthfully, so that's, I think that's in Morgantown. That's a tough stretch of the schedule for oh, Iowa State as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, 100. So, um, I, I've got West Virginia as a dark horse here and going 10 and two and challenging for a spot in the in the title game. Well, it's interesting to me. I th- I think there's there's certainly some validity in that statement. Um, I, I think Daggy and that that defense, especially, although they graduated one of the still one of the Steels brothers, I think left for the NFL. But they've quietly been building a very good football program yeah. over there. They've probably got their best recruiting class ever yeah. last season. Um, I, I think ten wins might be a little bit of a stretch. Oklahoma for me, I mean, yeah, we talk about they're they're a national title contender for a lot of people just because they finally have a defense um, and a really aggressive and a very good defense. And that was that was, you know, the deal, you know, down the road. Rattler, I mean, we know how talented he is, but he's got to – I mean, I think maturity level, is it still there? You know, in NIL is one thing, but we see all his logos and all this, and that was honestly what got them beat a few times last year was Rattler's maturity level. Look at the end of the Iowa State-Oklahoma game. Yeah, I mean, throws a terrible throws pass. A, yeah, he coverage. threw a couple of them right there that Ashim Young. I mean, I think that's something that will hold him back as well as they lose lose quite a bit of bodies, up, you know, on both sides of, of the lines, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. 
Now their schedules, I mean, they got an easy, you know, they paid Nebraska to be Alcorn State and come in and take an ass whooping, you know, and, and a bunch of these other schools. But that I'm not I'm not as surefire on that as I think. I think they're going to be really good. Don't get me wrong. Um, one team I think a lot of people are really high on that I think will disappoint, and we've done this every year. Because every year we sit in here, we talk about Gary Patterson. We talk about how TCU, good TCU is going to yeah. be, how they're going to be there. I don't see it. I do not see it. Max Duggan is a stud. We love Max Duggan because he's big, redheaded, tough. Like Max Max he, Duggan is Western Iowa. Ma- Max Duggan is more Sam Ellinger than Sam Ellinger, and even <laughs> though he comes from Western Iowa, you know what I mean. Just a big, tough, rugged kid who puts the team on his back, but he hasn't been good enough. He hasn't been consistent enough. Just use a lot of coach game. speak to describe Max Duggan. Just a gym rat. Yeah, just, just a gym. Yeah, just a straight. Just a coach's ball, kid, baller. which he is. Yeah. yeah. But I, I don't believe that they're a just gamer. consistent, gamer. you know, good enough on either side of the ball. I mean, I think they'll be a really solid team, but they're a 7-5, and 8-4 and four team for me. Um, you know, some people, I, I'm trying to think, I listened to Condon last week, and he said they were going to be in the Big 12 title game with Oklahoma. But that's just Condon pissing on the Cyclones. Here's the deal. I love Iowa State. I love the Cyclones. The ball did bounce their way last year, last year a lot of times. They were the only Power 5 team to not have a game affected by COVID, canceled or not you know, canceled or moved. Sure. Um, but for me, you know, outside of the first game when, you know, it was going to be, I think, what, you and I, and then it was, I, you know, we got Louisiana last minute. Yeah. I think we can see, you know, there's going to be some that they get off their back. I think Campbell gets the Oklahoma State monkey off his back. He gets the Iowa monkey off his back. West Virginia will be tough. We had the ball bounce our way so many times last year in some of these games and things went right and close games. Look at the Texas game down the road. I just – it, it's hard to believe me. Usually when we see this amount of kids come back and things, it, it's hard to not leave some room for disappointment. I, I mean, we look around the field and, you know, there's there's dogs everywhere, right? Will McDonald, dog. Mike Rose, dog. Dog. Greg Eisworth, dog. Charlie Kohler, dog. <laughs> right? Brees Hall, dog. Dog. You know, but at the same time, you know, I, I love Brock Purdy. He has his moments. If he can – He's going to have a couple of those moments. The defense is going to give up some big third downs. And, yeah, we all want to talk about this magical run where we, you know, there's an Iowa State team in the playoff and everything else. But to me, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think we'll see a, a, a team from the Big 12 in the playoff. You know, I just – I don't know if I see this 12-0, and 11-1 and run out of the Cyclones. Yeah, me neither. I Honestly, I think best case scenario, I think they go 9-3. and three. Yeah, um, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, no, and I – dude – Mark me down for a nine and three season. I'm I'm all in. Eight and four. I'll take eight and four. Well, I'll be a little disappointed at eight and four, but I just I'm I'm being realistic, and maybe you know this is just the cycle and fan in me. Um, you know there, there's a team though that I think is a little underrated right now in the Big Twelve. Just a lot of teams is Oklahoma State. I think has a chance to be very very good again. Gundy has been there. I think they've got a chance to compete. You know, Spencer Sanders will be more consistent. Their defense has quietly been one of the best ones in the league the last few years. It will not surprise me if, if they make a play for a spot in the Big 12 titles game. Yeah, I think I'm with you on Okie State. I mean, Okie State's just that perennial, you know, lurking in the third or fourth spot, fifth spot in the, you know, Big 12. And then somehow, I mean, well, it shouldn't be a surprise that they end up near the top every year too. I mean. It just goes to show, you know, Gundy and his staff always have kids dialed in and ready to go. So, um, I, I've got a fun one too, and you might come over the table and punch me, but another another one I was looking at in the way their schedule sets up. You ready for this? Bring it. The best thing to happen for Kansas football was to get rid of Les Miles. Well, obviously. 
I've got Le- a- Les was so mailed in. I mean, I mean, he between Jeff Long and him, I mean, he was collecting a paycheck. So, uh, looking at it, they're they're uh, over under on win total this year. I believe is either at one or one and a half. Okay, you gonna crush the over, dude? They they have. Uh, oh shoot, who's their first? So they they've got a test. They have to go to Coastal Carolina, which a team they lost to by what two scores at home last year. But the other one they have is like, um, wait, Coastal? Yeah. Well, they're gonna get their asses beat. By well, right, Coastal. right. So they're gonna lose to Coastal, and they've got uh, three other Big Twelve games mixed in there. Or no, one, two non cons, and two Big Twelve games. Um, maybe it's three non cons. Yeah, it's three non cons. They go, they go to Duke, and that's in the fourth week. I think they could be two and two after the fourth week. Here's the deal. I think for the first time, you know, in my in one of my in my conscience, you know, relative college football watching experience. Kansas made a good football hire. Yeah, they did. Excellent. Like I literally, and he got a, he brought. I can't remember the guy's name. He came from Buffalo, but he had a lot of transfers. Like come I literally, with him too. if Matt Campbell was going to leave Iowa State, he was on my list. You know, number one, if if they wouldn't have gotten Matt Campbell, he was on my list. Just goes back to the Whitewater days and some of the D three roots. I I really think they got a program builder this time. And you know, we've seen teams take this. All right, lose close, lose big. You know, reset the culture, lose close, win close, win big, and it's not going to be on a four-year line because Kansas no. just not invested enough in football and put enough resources in football. But I think they'll be competitive. So their schedule is uh, they've got South Dakota at home. Uh, they go to Coastal Carolina, Baylor at home, and then at Duke. And I don't think Duke is going to be very good. I don't think Baylor is going to be very good. I think that from what we hear – it sounds like there's been a little trouble in Paradise in, in Baylortown, USA. First of all, like that's Paradise only if you're a big fan of Chip and Joanna Gaines. Like yeah, otherwise, correct. it's like yeah. Ra- Ra- Magnolia Ra- Market, Ra- Rapeville, USA. Which, if if even then, you know, if you're a fan of Magnolia Market, there's probably two things to consider: you're a a female, and you're also likely in your upper twenties, early thirties, and then you're dragging your husbands along with you, and they're hating their lives the entire way. Uh. Sounds accurate. Yeah, uh, I yeah I don't think Baylor's going to be that great, and that's why I think like that that early schedule sets up for them. Like they could be two and zero. Now, granted, then they get they Iowa. They get Iowa State that. the week after Duke. That's a loss. Texas Tech. They're going to lose Texas Tech. They got Oki, Oki Light, Maybe K-State, beat Texas, Texas TCU, West Virginia to close out there. They're going to get absolutely boat raced down the stretch. I think but those first four that. games. What's that? I think we can agree on that. So you're saying two and two to start, two and ten to finish. Yeah, correct. Yeah. I, I'd hit that over. I'd yeah, hit I hit that over. I mean, it's worth it's worth the gamble. You know, if if the odds on the over are you know plus one ten. Yeah, I mean, I'd take it. Like, yeah. throw twenty five bucks down. Okay. I wouldn't bet your house on it, but I could see I could see two wins coming from that team. Yeah. Well, and maybe and and even then, like I know nothing about what they have coming. Texas Tech is pressing restart too, right? Oh, Texas. Well, not restart. I mean, it's the last year of the Matt Wells. Ex- experiment yeah I, I promise you that but everyone keeps talking about texas because they return like 18 starters right and they bring in tyler shuck who honestly like i don't know why like people there's a lot of people think that tyler shuck could be like a high high draft pick and you know first round draft pick and fell but what did we see from this oregon team last year that would suggest tyler shuck is a first round draft pick well like let's just let's just use what we have in front of us right he he was at the like one of the premier schools in the pac-12 and gets benched in the party bowl for who is for, Did you just call for it his the party bowl. Yeah. The party bowl for 
who was clearly a superior backup in um, – shoot, what was that guy's name? Tyler something. No, I can't remember now. Anyways, He's fast. Doesn't matter. Yeah, amazing, incredible athlete. And, like, we're thinking that this this young man is going to be an upgrade from Alan Bowman? Not yeah, – no. We, Jet no. Duffy. Give me on that Jet Duffy train. Yeah, I love Jet Duffy. Yeah, big big Jet Duffy stand. Just a gym rat. Yeah. Just <laughs> a gym rat. Uh, oh god! Uh, so that's that's where I landed. On that's where I landed in that. Big, so big Ohio State, you. Ohio State's, I think, going to come out of the out of the Big Ten. I don't think they're a superpower this year, and this leads into here my one of my national yeah, hot here, takes. I was going to say, let's jump into this. national hot takes, and this this goes right in with Ohio State. A team not named Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, or Oklahoma will win the national championship. A team not, not named, named, not named. Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, or Ohio State will win the national championship. And we're not that far away. We saw an LSU, LSU, LSU team. I'm good. LSU team a couple years ago do it. But I just – It's the greatest football team ever play college football. It For me, is one of. For me, like Ohio State breaking a new QB, yeah, they've got some studs that come back from a good team last year and they play, but – I, I just I don't know first for I I don't see the magic being captured this year breaking in a freshman quarterback, Clemson is on is breaking a new quarterback Alabama is breaking a new quarterback and yeah we haven't always seen that be a big, you know big step back. Um, I think Georgia and Texas A and M are both going to give Alabama fits in the SEC. O- Ohio State is clearing away the favorite, but I think they could easily drop a couple games. Texas A and M from what I've heard and read outside limited of outside of Kelmon being gone. But no, but I read that this young kid that they're going to play at quarterback apparently is real good. Real good. Now, Grant, I got no evidence yeah. of that. Um, I, Georgia, Georgia is one to watch out for. I think. I think honestly, watching that SEC East is going to be so much fun between Georgia and Florida. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Like you want to talk about just two heavyweights? Well, how, when when Florida loses their first game, though, how many excuses will Dan Mullen will Dan Mullen make? Who do they play for their first game? Do we even know? I don't know. I'm assuming when they lose their their you know first game, whatever it happens. Because what do we get? Do we get Clemson, Georgia in in week one here? I think we get a game like that. Anyway, there's another team out here that I don't think is on a lot of people's radar that I think could quietly be a contender, a playoff contender, and that's USC. Oh yeah, that's a I good, think I Keaton like that Slovis too. is a very very good football player. Um, I think that team has kind of just been lurking in the shadows. I mean, they were a one loss team going into. You know, I think the last couple of weeks of the season last year, um, you know, and there was a, a, t- a lot of talk about a possible coaching change there for a long time. But I, I think that's a team that could surprise a lot of people. I like that one a lot, too. I think to me that Pac-12, it's going to be between it's wide open. Yeah, I mean, but I, I think to me it, it, it just really boils down to Oregon and USC like it always does. I think, you know, what we saw what about the Huskies. What about the Huskies? No. Okay. No. I don't think I don't think they're gonna. I mean, they'll they'll be good. They'll be, you know, Pac-12's version of Iowa here going forward, um, which is fine. I think UCLA I think is going to be a fun, trendy pick too. Uh, that they'll be a fun team to watch. I mean, we just watched them beat the holy hell out of Hawaii, which isn't surprising. Yeah, because Hawaii never knows how to play defense, and and their offense didn't look so great either. But, um, you know, from that jet lag, Cole, it was jet lag. Yeah, I mean, I get it. 
you know, and, and I'm, I'm excited. I'm actually going to come back when we record here in, you know, a week or two or whatever we decide we, we have some time for, I'm going to come back with some serious mountain West predictions. Oh, big mountain West football guy. Or what about some action? Yeah. Um, not as big on the action. I think, I think action is more like watered down big 10 stuff, which is fine. But for me, love, I love mountain West stuff because those late kicks on Saturday night where right. I can be in bed, little San in, Diego state. In, and, in, yeah, exactly. Yeah. In bed with a little, little glass of whiskey, you know, watching, watching a nine thirty kick on the West coast. It's just great. It's just so great. Who do we, who do we get here with some of these sec matchups? For, oh yeah. Florida FAU play FAU here at six thirty kick. That'll be a party and a half. Won't it? Right. Uh, that'll be fun to watch, but well, the SEC is either got barn burner, great, you know, non-con games, or they're playing Alcorn State. Oh, we get, oh my gosh, we get Florida and Bama early in the year too. Really, week four. We'll take it. Excuse me, week three, uh, September eighteenth. That's going to be a fun game. That's we'll going to be it. a really fun game. We'll take it. So those are some of my national hot takes. So I love that. Those are those are fun. I I, th- I like to be a little contrarian though. Yeah, and, and, and it's harder for me to say something like that where, you know, someone not named Oklahoma, Bama, Clemson, Ohio State is going to win the national championship. I don't feel like that. Uh, for me, it, I don't think Clemson's going to be as big of a contender. I think it's going to take some breaking in with DJ. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's Uga, Ugalale. Se- it's got 17 vowels in it. Yeah, it's a very Hawaiian name. Uh, I, I think it's going to be fun to watch them break him in. He, th- he played okay in that Notre, Notre Dame, Dame game. game last year. Yeah. Um, I actually, and I'm not even okay. I think he actually played really he played well. Played really well. Uh, yeah. It'll be fun to see the post Trevor Lawrence era here. Speaking of Trevor Lawrence, T Law guaranteed the starting job. Yeah, Gardner Minshew already got, traded got, to the Eagles. I don't. I was never. I mean, just I didn't watch a lot of the Jags preseason game, but it doesn't seem like he was that impressive. Listen, Dan, I I think that that sentiment is probably popular. I don't think 99 percent of the world's population paid much attention to the Jags preseason game. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just on record thinking the Urban Meyer experiment's going to fail. That's me. Yeah, I, I, so. actually, funny you say that. I actually did read some stuff the other day. Uh, the locker room's not super impressed. He's bringing a lot of, like, college-type atmosphere. Like They're professionals. But, exactly. And, and apparently it's going over like a turn to punch bowl, so we'll see what happens. Um, as we kind of move into that, actually, I, I want to pause. I'll, I'll, I want to make some line predictions for next week. I, I did write a couple of them down just based on what I saw early. And there's a, there's four four lines that I actually really like. Um, once again, touching back to what I was talking about earlier with Wisconsin, I think Wisconsin is going to be a challenge uh, for the Big Ten West this year. And and like I said, the, the, the Sharps have them at minus four and a half right now opening up, and that's at home against Penn State, who is ranked lower than them currently in the AP poll. Uh, to me, I, I think that, what they're saying is that they think that they're hoping their people are probably taking that minus four and a half, thinking that they're going to win by a touchdown, but maybe sharps are saying they're going to only win by three and trying to get in on some of that money. But I, I like, I like Wisconsin to cover that spread. I think they win by, I think they win by six or more. Truthfully, okay. I think it's going to be at least a full score game, not just a field goal. So that's kind of where I land on Wisconsin. I'm not super, I, I mean, I'm not telling you to bet your house on that one, but I think that's a fun line to watch. Uh, Indiana is getting three and a half points in Kinnick. This week, Ooh. Uh, I love that. Once again, replacing that defensive front, like you said, there's there's some good cornerbacks and there's some good safeties on that Iowa okay, team. Okay, here's the deal. I, I don't know. Like, Indiana, I don't know. I believe in Tom Allen, too, but 
to me, like I've got to see more from them than one year in a COVID-ridden late start season for me to buy. Yeah, that. no, and I, I think that's totally fine. But I, I, I won't disagree with you on that. But, but looking at the way that they played and their buy-in and like that, that, that is truly what college football athletics is supposed to look like. That head coach, those those kids respect him so much because they know he would throw himself in front of a bus for them, and that's just what college football is all about is like having that family atmosphere and that's why I like college football better than NFL but that's a topic for another time and so I think Indiana getting three and a half on the road I think is a is a really safe bet I just think that's going to be a really competitive game and and even if you know even if the Hawks win the game by three points you're going to win some money there so uh, the next one I like um, is an auto fade team Uh, I had what Auto fade so means like if you can you take a team one or two teams that you know is just gonna they're never gonna cover the spread no matter what and there's oh. a couple of them okay. there's a couple of them that you can pick year to year and UMass and UConn are the two auto fades okay. UConn lost to Fresno State uh I by I don't know what it was by like thirty points yesterday and the spread Fresno was State's coached by a good Dutchman right. Yeah, Kalen uh, DeBoer minus twenty five and a half. I, I locked that one up. That one was easy money. Ooh, you you UConn didn't even have a football program last year, right? Uh, I think that's right. Yeah, they opted out. They yeah. didn't even play. Uh, Pitt is minus thirty eight against UMass. I like that one a lot. That is a absolutely enormous number. But guys, I'm pretty sure UMass would put me in a set of pads and let me play a middle linebacker. So like a forty five to three type outcome, something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah it's gonna be huge. Yeah. Okay. So that's another one I like. And then San Jose State, plus 14. I hate on the Spartans. At USC. Plus 14. They're getting two touchdowns on the road. And San Jose State just covered a 28-point spread against Southern Utah Tech School for the Deaf and Blind. However, they still did it. Still covered a huge number at home. I like the Spartans. That could be a sneaky good game, actually. I like the Spartans to go into USC and keep that close. That could be a sneaky good game. So there's my uh, there's my four uh, quote unquote locks. Well, we got Wisco minus four and a half, Indiana plus three and a half, Pitt covering All right, huge we, we number gonna do, minus we gonna, we gonna San do Jose a, State plus fourteen. Those are my four locks. Are we gonna do a, a bet on this one? Yeah. Do you, do give, you like give, some of those give, or do you me, want some different I, ones? Give me Iowa to cover the three and a half. Okay. Yeah, I dig yeah. that. That's fun. Yeah. Okay. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah. Um. I mean, we can. You know, moving moving forward, I mean, we can talk a little bit more here about NFL and storylines we like to see. But you know, truthfully, we're far enough away from the from the regular season that maybe we'll just save it for next time we record because yeah. we've we've seen the NFL and and I probably play closer attention to it than than Dano does. But we've seen injury laden teams so far. J.K. Dobbins, Dobbins, I'm pretty today. sure tore his yeah. ACL uh, yesterday. Um, Travis Etienne's out for the year. Now, he granted, he wasn't going to be a starter. I looked at the depth chart for the Jags, which is also something that 99.9% of the American population you never does is look up the depth chart for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, he was he was listed as a second string behind um, the Oars in the first string. You know, it was, yeah. you know, Emmett Smith or Deion, you know, Deion. Why, do I want to, why was I want to say Jackson Sanders? Like, that's not, he's not even a fucking running back. Um. And so I think he was going to get some significant snaps. I'd be willing to bet probably going to be in a punt returner role. But okay. um, the other thing 
that we've seen too is some of these quarterback battles are going to be really fun to watch, like watching when San Francisco decides to put Trey Lance in. I don't know if you've watched much San Francisco 49er football so far this fall. Trey Lance looks good. Trey Lance looks really good. So you're riding, you're riding that train. I, it, I'm not saying that they're going to be – like I'm not saying he's starting – I don't know what that's going to look like, but Jimmy G apparently like they they didn't have faith in him last year. They don't want to keep him around anyways. This Jimmy G experiment. I'm pull my, my biggest Colin Cowherd. Jimmy G is a is a Ford Focus. He gets the job done. Colin but Trey Coward's Lance is, you know, he's the Lamborghini. How often do you want to give the keys to the Lamborghini and get him out and going? But you got to take it slow. Yeah. So I like I like Trey Lance a lot. That's gonna be um, that's gonna be a really fun storyline to watch. I think paying attention to what Zach Wilson does in in New York looked good. Uh, Sam Darnold with the Panthers. I think he's actually in the right situation to succeed now because I never thought that he wasn't a talented individual. For crying out loud, he had to put up with Adam Gase as a head coach. How on earth Adam Gase ever kept a job in the NFL is absolutely yeah. insane. And also, speaking of all this, Teddy Bridgewater gets the starting job in Denver. I don't know if you I, said that's that huge. Drew Locke, oh. I I think Drew Locke's confidence is probably shaking a little bit. That might be probably some of the last football we ever see him play. I mean, just depending on what um, you know, Teddy's injury history looks like. The, the Deshaun Watson scenario in, has, has Max Jones locked up New England as well. That job? No, I think they'll probably give that to Cam to start the year. But Cam's going to be on a very very short leash. Uh, that one's going to be fun to watch. I just think there's so many fun stories. Jameis Winston got named the starter for the Saints. That's fun. Crab legs. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to eat a W. Love that. Yeah. Uh, there's just there's so much fun stuff happening. Like the NFC West with the cards. Actually, very interesting. The Rams, league. the Seahawks. Like, Rams, I think Rams oh would be gosh. very interesting with Stafford. I agree. Um, Good for Matt Stafford. Get out of here. Now, granted, I don't know that Matt Stafford's going to be a game changer. It's not like he's astronomically better than Goff on paper. But, I mean, in terms of prolific passer numbers, like Stafford, Stafford's got the horsepower. Like, let's just right. see if McVay can get one last gas out of him. But uh, we'll, we'll dive a little bit more into the NFL. We know a lot of you guys are fantasy folks, so some of that injury stuff is maybe stuff that you hadn't heard of. So if you were really hoping to maybe catch J.K. Dobbins in a, in a later, you know, third or fourth round as a sleeper running back that – Unfortunately, it looks like he might be out for the year, so keep your eye on that. But other than that, man, I, I, I don't have a ton else to talk about. I mean, you know, we're not going to talk about the NBA because no one gives a shit. Yeah, and you've heard me monologue for like 45 minutes already, so. Yeah, I'll we have, up. and we're actually pretty tired of it too. So uh, I don't know. We'll probably see everybody back here in, in a week or two, depending on uh, what our schedules line up. You know, living the dad life now, it's not as easy as it used to be, but uh, we're glad everybody put the pressure on us and told us to get back on the horse here and record, so we're grateful for the for the support for everybody and we do have a third mic so if we have any of our uh, as pardon my take would put it any award-winning listeners that want to jump on the podcast with us we'd love to have someone come down here and tell dan how he's dumb yeah, wouldn't be anything new <laughs> all right we love you all go cyclones peace and gin.